Hey y'all, I am Catherine Mills and you are listening to the Crude Audacity podcast, the podcast that talks shop shit and all things strategy with oil patch influencers. We are drinking, we are eating, and tonight we will be talking about transitions. In the oil field, we experience a plethora of transitions, new jobs, new basins, layoff, industry exits, just about everything. We are in the age of consolidation, and if you haven't figured it out by now, the landscape that is oil and gas is evolving at such a rapid rate that drastic changes can be seen almost daily. Who is being challenged the most? Our people. So where does that leave jobs? Where does that leave recruiting? And most importantly, where does that leave opportunity? Is working in the oil and gas sector still a part of the American dream? Here to address all of that, not one, but two guests this week, the Van Cleve sisters, Whitney and Kaylee. Welcome to the Crude Audacity. Hello. Hello. Thank you. We're excited. <laughs> yeah. Thank you all so much for being here. Uh, y'all have a very interesting story, a very interesting background. You definitely have the secret sauce to insights to what everybody is thinking, or so I am told. So let's jump right into it. Why oil and gas? Why energy? And honestly, why people? So uh, Whitney here. Um, well, you know, I think like a lot of people in the industry, uh, we actually got into energy before it was even a choice um, because we are fourth generation oil and gas. Oh, um, so you were born into it. Yeah. yeah. You really didn't have a choice. <laughs> no, we really didn't. Um, it was kitchen table talk as far back as we can remember. And <laughs> kitchen table. <laughs> yeah. So uh, our great grandfather helped drill uh, number one in Wyoming. And then our grandfather was a marathon man for his whole career. Um, Drilling engineer. Drilling yeah. engineer. And awesome. Dad grew up in Libya and uh, became a landman. And then um, mom owned a recruiting firm in Denver um, for 40 years, RTS Corp. So. Damn straight. Yeah. We, <laughs> so y'all are oil and gas by blood. <laughs> yeah, I like to say we got steeped in it at a young age. <laughs> we did. Um, so yeah, that's kind of, that was how we got into it. And then when we actually started working in it was... Uh, we started helping my mom out, okay. typing resumes on a typewriter. Have you guys always worked together? This is a great question. Yeah, it's like a running joke. Running. Everybody who knows us is um, the only way we can work at places is if we do it together. So I think we've had more jobs working together at organizations than we have apart. Yeah. Are you serious? Yeah. yeah. Well, damn, y'all. Yeah. It, it works. I can't, I'm 34 years old. I can't be left in a room alone with my siblings. Inevitably, someone gets duct taped to a wall or the remote gets used as a weapon. So <laughs> kudos to both of you. <laughs> we definitely have had our, our spots. Kaylee dropped me in the kitchen in uh, high school with a frying pan because I didn't like what she made for dinner. So I think that was the last uh, real, yeah. real tip we had. Yeah. <laughs> but... And I take criticism well, I guess is the best way to say it. <laughs> Even to these days? I mean, I do better now. Okay. I, I mean, I, I'm not like wielding like frying pans on a regular basis. I you so have knocked good. her out with a frying pan. I have not. <laughs> not recently by any, any stretch of the imagination. I had it coming. So y'all start working with your mom. Yeah. So you stay in industry. Y'all work together. Mm -hmm. So how do you form the, the company that you have now? So we, my mom got both of us jobs at uh, different companies over the course of our high school experience, answering okay. phones, pinch hitting, contract work. Uh, Kaylee worked in the land department um, at Noble for a while doing kind of scanning and things like that. And then 
like a lot of folks. I think we were like, well, we're not going into the industry. We're going to be different. We don't want to be like our parents. Um, yeah, I had that moment too. Yeah, yeah. So uh, we did that. And then um, Kaylee is two years older. So when she graduated college and I was still in, we decided we were going to start a uh, alternative health and wellness social network. For that is a mouthful. It, it was. Mm-hmm. It was hard to pitch, but we got funding. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we did that super cool startup thing um, for a while and uh, built a team, moved to California, and thought we were going to be the next Facebook. And oh, then, well, damn. Yeah. And then uh, we launched in beta, and um, Facebook for business pages came out. And suddenly everybody was like, yeah, we don't we don't need what you're selling, and we were like pivot. So uh, then we kind of transitioned that into doing um, marketing for them, uh, and moved back to Denver. Had an office here with um, about eight people in it, and um, we ended up taking my mom's company as a client at that time because their website was from like 1992 or oh, something so it was dreadful. so bad it was so bad yeah. that's amazing yeah <laughs> oil and gas website not exactly like the biggest win in not the sexy no not no. sexy at all <laughs> so took her on as a client and um eventually we were both like wow this is kind of fun can we, can we recruit a little bit and so started working for her and then um yeah 15 hit and the shit hit the fan and we went down with everybody else and uh, if it makes you feel better shit's still hitting the fan I, yeah that. we're just more comfortable with it we have uh <laughs> we've got better umbrellas these days i think yeah exactly so yeah and then kaylee pivoted out sold commercial insurance um to oil and gas companies very cool yeah, for you. talk about transitioning skills um nobody's excited about picking up like an insurance policy for oil and gas so you don't get the same kind of joy so i miss the people side yeah, yeah when we need insurance for oil and gas it's usually because we did something very wrong yeah <laughs> so true um <laughs> Yeah, and then uh, an old client reached out to her, and he had a firm, so she went over there, mm-hmm. and uh, at that time, I was doing marketing for the insurance company, because Kaylee pulled me over, um, so she <laughs> left, and about... You really did keep her with you the whole time, that's yeah. amazing. Yeah. About six months later, then I went over there, and we did that, and um, that was a great learning experience, and then uh, we loved to travel, so... We were we took a month and went to Patagonia uh, in the first part of uh, 2019 and walking along the trail and said, "Shit, we've been doing this for other people for a long time. What the hell? Let's try it ourselves." And <laughs> here we are. Yeah, that's amazing. Here is kind of a loaded question, but you are the perfect people to answer it. Is it really worth working in the oil and gas industry anymore? We are in the age of consolidation. Is it worth the effort, the hassle, the energy, and honestly, the hours? Because it's not work-life balance anymore. It's definitely work-life integration. I think that that is a question that a lot of people are asking themselves um, Mm -hmm. right now in the industry. I think it's a fairly common one. Um, But I I kind of go back to, you know, the reason everybody gets pulled back into it is because it's interesting. It's Mm -hmm. dynamic. It's... There's a lot of facets. So many facets. I mean, like, we're... We're changing all the time. I feel like it's a pure transition industry, no matter what you what stage you're in it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the same thing was said back in the '80s, '90s. Like, well, back in the '80s, this is the prolonged downturn that people are comparing to, or if not worse than the '80s. Mm-hmm. But what we saw in the '90s was more spikes here and there, and honestly, that was geopolitically driven. It was so. 
what do y'all foresee? I mean, obviously you weren't uh, <laughs> recruiting in the 80s, but what nope. do you foresee um, sort of knowing what was happening historically? What are the same nuances? What might be a little different? Do we have the same projection that the 80s did? Is there still an upside to it? I think, yeah, there's definitely still an upside. I think there's we're the one thing about the art industry that I find really fascinating is we are really very adaptive. Mm-hmm. Um, it's something that we've always been. I mean, like the true nature of a wildcatter is an adaptive spirit. Oh, I love um, that. That's so, so well put. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, a glass of wine helps, right? <laughs> um, so I think it's it's one of those things that anybody who's drawn to the industry has that kind of level of resiliency that they can, you know, really, they see a problem and they're fixers. You know, mm-hmm. they fix it. They come up with new ways of, you know, using data, using tools, mm-hmm. you know, all different kinds of stuff, science. So I think, you know, I think the upside is still there. And I think things move faster now. So it's a little bit harder to kind of forecast out. It's not like the the change in the 80s was a little bit more methodical. Mm-hmm. Um, on the downturns and upturns, you know, shouldn't upturns, upticks. So I think like it's about, you know, finding that balance and finding the community and Mm -hmm. working with each other on it. And I would, I would also say that I think one challenge that is out there now is previously a lot of folks like us, I think, um, got into the industry because they grew up around it or they have parents who are in it. Um, and, you know, just from a pure numbers perspective, that's probably not as common these days. And I so I think <laughs> we need to, as an industry, uh, think about how we can bring people in and get them excited about what's going on. But in the grand scheme of things, one of the things that I love is a lot of people point to, you know, it not being very stable and things like that. But, you know, I've got friends in marketing who, you know, they deal with the same thing in other industries. Oh, yeah. Peaks and pits are everywhere. Yeah, Mm -hmm. and there's no safe bet. And I think that that is something that, you know, if there's one thing I will say to people all the time is if you think you're going to be able to jump in and all the things are going to fall in place for you, probably not. Not your industry. Not your industry. (laughs) And also, like, you know, the the people who survive the downturns and, you know, the upticks. What's up? Uptick. Uh, Upturn. (laughs) Upturn. Um, Are people who are scrappy and flexible and resilient. And, um, yeah, I think that that's hard to teach. You know, I think 2020 is going to be the year of resilience. No matter which way you look at it, it's we have geopolitical movements. We have mm-hmm. every candidate on, uh, unfortunately, on the left going against oil and energy. We are in a new decade, and we're seeing just grassroots anti-movements popping up across the industry that is kind of steering the perception of younger generations because we're not just dealing with millennials anymore. I mean, if you think about it, we're now at something new and they're getting close to voting age Mm -hmm. and they're getting close to internship age. So what do you see happening in terms of the younger generations getting excited about energy? To your point, Whitney, it's something that like we as an industry have to fight for. We operate from a very gray space. Yes. Um, And I think that that... Because truth be told, we are on the periphery as a service company. We yeah. we have the luxury of being able to work with a wide variety of clients and companies. 
um, and talking with a lot of people across the industry. Y'all have so much insider trading. We are going to get into that. <laughs> no idea. No idea. Um, I need to know where to purchase houses, <laughs> what stock to buy. <laughs> we know nothing. <laughs> Not at all. No. Um, but I do think that one thing that's interesting is that um, a lot of conversations tend to be born of uh, listening to respond mm-hmm. and inherently there is a underpinning of opinions, right? But I think at the end of the day, and Sarah Jodowski kind of touched on this in, in her interview as well. She's such a badass, I swear. Dude, I that woman, her. oh my God. Is she's like, such a powerhouse. Yeah, <laughs> and you know, I think she's right. It's like having a little bit of um, some guardrails is how she frames it, but mm-hmm. um, you know, we're kind of of the same mindset in that we are very much uh, an all of the above energy option type mentality and um, that a lot of the constructive conversations come from a space of um, actually listening and like talking. willingness to have the conversation. Yeah, exactly. Right. Um, not, what, not the protest downtown? That's not effective? <laughs> I, it, you know, if it fills somebody's cup, that's, <laughs> it might that's be great. Thing, Anything to get them off the couch. Oh, <sighs> just not kidding. <laughs> yeah. So I think like one of the things going back to it is that the narrative, right? So mm-hmm. I think totally. one of um, the things that we as an industry from speaking from like an oil and gas perspective, right? Yeah. Um, so Whitney and I are definitely like all energy kind of options exactly. are, need to be on the table. Exactly. And it's a complete it's a complete You all have a very unique buffet. model for your company. And we'll get into that in a little bit. But mm-hmm. you really do. Upstream, midstream, alternative, you consider it all. We do. Because I, I believe that, you know, energy as a total is really fascinating mm-hmm. and it's super dynamic. And we're here for the next, you know, 30 to 40 years, hopefully, Damn in this straight. industry, right? <laughs> and so it's going to look a lot different than yeah. it did 30 to 40 years ago before us, Right. Um, but I do think like going back to the narrative, I think trying to bring in new people into the industry is something that, you know, we've struggled with because our narrative has been so, um, geared towards like a very traditional kind of, um, economics, economics, right. Mm -hmm. It's about the, the the specific needs that we supply Mm -hmm. as an oil and gas industry, all the products, everything that we kind of bring to the table. Um, and I think that that narrative worked really well before it had to compete against some of the shinier things out there for new hiring in that younger demographic. Well, we let PC into our culture, which it did not exist. Even in the 90s, I would say mm-hmm. it did not exist. And I'm not talking like just like the good old boy rhetoric. I'm talking there is a softer touch to how you commu- or communicate mm-hmm. across the board. And therefore, emotions drive the conversation, not numbers. Correct. And, and it's I, weird, right? Because numbers are the only universal language. Well, and yeah. every, it, you'd be surprised, but a lot of our, you know, the people who participate in our industry are very numbers-driven people. I well, mean, they're finance, engineers. We're total nerds. We're, yeah, I think it's like we, we haven't really talked about all the things we actually do, mm-hmm. like the beneficial oh, yeah. aspect of it. I mean, we have like kick-ass stuff that's going on with environmental changes. Totally. I, I mean, mean cross, engineering, cross data. industry advances. Yeah. It's so cool. It's so like, cool. They're using seismic technology now to identify cancer in bodies. Yeah. Isn't that cool? It's, it's cool. So, right? It's so, so cool. cool. And that's what I love too. And I think that there is inherently a thing. And it's so funny, and particularly where we sit right now, right? It's so interesting because you have folks who are in oil and gas who are hesitant to talk about it. It's a dirty little secret. 
you have people who are in oil and gas who are very outspoken about you know being in oil and gas who are kind of checking out some of the cool shit that's going on in renewables and they they don't want to talk about it because it's a dirty little secret and so that is scandal oh yeah (laughs) yeah and it's just it's so cool and i think one of the things that is interesting is like if we just have conversations and not conversations to prove a point or convert anybody like if we get past this missionary idea and just go straight to like there's cool shit happening in every facet across the um, spectrum and I think that's one thing I was actually at a board meeting the other day and um, it got brought up well nobody in this facet is talking about the challenges Um, we were talking about storage and they were Mm -hmm. like you know the ramifications of lithium ion technology and lithium the mining with it I and mean, there's stuff that powers stuff. my iphone is bad yeah i mean it, it there's some challenges with all of it and but we're not really talking across the whole spectrum about right. it exactly except well, we are but it's quiet nobody it's wants quiet. to talk about the footprint the impact of energy mm-hmm. and unfortunately the impact of energy for alternatives no matter or even like battery mountaintop removal mm-hmm. is significant yeah, and these are think, common challenges that mm-hmm. every segment of the industry and energy, if you're talking across the whole bandwidth, they're challenges that are equally felt across the board. Oh yeah, I yeah. wish we would have more of a cross mingling of conversations because mm-hmm. we totally. could learn and say, "Wow, you're doing this. Oh my God, I wonder if I could try that in this over app here. over here in this other alternative application and Absolutely. see results." Except for we've kind of done this whole thing where our narratives have to be so separated out. Yeah. Because right. who's energy? Oil and gas. Well, no, not really. It's a bigger umbrella than that. Exactly. Yeah. An alternative energy really is an alternative. It's a part of the energy spectrum. So we mm-hmm. should drop the word alternative. Yeah. And to y'all's point, midstream, upstream, and additional. Mm-hmm. Like enhancement, what have you. Well, right. you think about back in the, I remember like maybe like, 2008 2009 time frame there was a huge um siloing in oil and gas between upstream and midstream like you didn't cross contaminate those two conversations no. they still don't cross contaminate they, they still have a really hard time doing it oh, right yeah. and chemical it, engineers go to midstream mm-hmm. petroleum goes to upstream yeah, yeah. <laughs> and none the two shall no, meet no absolutely not nope. and it's so funny because it's like where did we come up with all these weird teams i mean mm-hmm. In the whole scope of the process, we're all oil and gas, right? Or we're all energy. We're all energy. So well, to, it's so strange. To y'all's point, and going back to the gray space you were talking about mm-hmm. earlier, that this everything we're talking about is how you actually built your business model and your mm-hmm. dynamics. So can you talk to us about what makes Iridium tick? How did you come up with the name, and why should companies be engaging with y'all? Like, what makes you stand out compared to typical recruitment firms? The frustration that we had seen um, previously in, in our recruiting careers were um, tied to the fact that there was black and white, right? There exactly. was upstream. Like if you were a recruiter we in oil and gas. We gray space. Yeah. And, and we, we were seeing is that our clients actually were really enjoying the gray space, right? Enjoying the crossover types of candidates, the tr- crossover knowledge that basin we brought to, to the basin table. Basin transfer. Basin Jesus. to basin. Oh my God, right? Or like <laughs> groundbreaking. Wait, I'm sorry. Not all basins are the same. Oh, oh my God. Do you, <laughs> you don't work on an asset team? Oh, no. you must not be an expert. <laughs> yeah. And so, like, having those kinds of conversations. You tell I'm bitter. No. <laughs> yeah. Well, and it's, it's a total thing, though. Like, there's, like, like the phases that we go through as an, as an industry. Mm-hmm. Um, anyways, and so this gray space, we, like, we love it. It's, like, it's where we kind of see 
we see benefits, right? Yeah. Candidates and clients really want, I mean, there's companies out there that benefit from having new ideas mm-hmm. brought to the table yeah. from somebody that maybe was a facilities engineer, mm-hmm. but came from midstream. And now they're looking at, you know, doing well pad development. Stuff. Oh yeah. They're production and engineers tie-ins. now and they know how the lines work. Right. And it's, oh my God, groundbreaking. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, it, and it makes sense because, you know, over the course of our new modern kind of oil and gas and energy careers, it's going to be dynamic, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, we're going to have to know the full life cycle of what we're looking at. And the more we know, the more valuable we are it, ding, over the ding, long ding, term. Thank right? you. So, um, Whitney You're and building I, a toolbox. Yeah, exactly. Totally a toolbox. Love me some toolbox. I, know, yeah. right? I like the toolboxes. <laughs> to tag team on that yeah. and kind of yeah. revisit your, your question too is um, we came out of – my mom's company was a very traditional recruiting model. It okay. was, she would go out, she would work hard, she'd get the job orders, we would find candidates. We also did a lot of candidate representation, which is kind of an older model of recruiting. What is that? So basically, there's kind of two schools when it comes to recruiting. There's mm-hmm. the school of, I work on behalf of a company, they give me a job order, they say, I need this person. These are the things I'm looking for. Go out and find them. Mm -hmm. Um, And then there's a a candidate-facing one, which is, hey, I've got this individual. They have these skill sets. And then a recruiter will go out and try to find companies that have an opening or market that professional into a spot. Okay. Um, So you're basically selling people at that point. It felt that way. Yeah, okay. And, um, (laughs) you know, truth be told, that model, my mom... Her company did both a okay. little bit, right? Mm-hmm. So a lot only of only upstream though, only upstream, all upstream. But that makes sense for like a more traditional model. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and she had forty years of contacts. I mean, like she was the person people called all the time, <laughs> you know. And so, does she still work? No, nope. do y'all, do y'all don't put her to work. She calls yeah. like once a week and is like, "Can I do some searches?" And we're like, "Mom, how's your LinkedIn?" She's like. I don't know my login. We're like, nope, we're good. Well, she is still a great Mama resource. Yeah. Yes. We got to get you on social media. She's oh going to listen God. to this and be like, girls. But she has a database. I mean, her database her is like brain. all mental. It's oh my insane. God. You know, I work for a company that has sort of the, the older generation and the stuff that they are able to retain and the detail orientation that they have. Oh, my God. Did iPhones make us stupid? I, I some days, sometimes yeah. I really, really wonder. <laughs> it, and that's that <laughs> speaks thing. to like the strong points and and you know kind of knowing what you're good at. And when the downturn happened, effectively, you know the most it, recent one because we've had a couple. Right? Yeah, we should qualify. <laughs> so in fifteen, Those are teasers. <laughs> so in 2015, um, you know, things slowed down. Yeah, and we had built her company up. You know, it was always her and uh, Pam Carlos, who was with her for years. Um, And then we added staff and, you know, things ramped down again. And she thought it was a good time to retire. And we agreed. But what came out of the downturn that time for us was that it got really hard. Mm -hmm. We are a very high touch, um, I think, organization in that, you know, we try to talk to people and, um, you know, get to know them. And so when the layoffs came through and people were calling three or four times a day mm-hmm. and you know 
you know who they are. You know you their know kids, their, their mm-hmm. kids' names, and if they lose their, their insurance, like, then they've got a little one this that is needs why we surgery. Have oil mm-hmm. Exactly, <laughs> it is. and it it was devastating on a personal level because we literally could not help people, and that if the money's not there, it's not there. And it wasn't even the I mean, shit, we would have done it for free. There was just no jobs. Yeah, there mm-hmm. were no jobs, and everybody was hunkered down. And there's it was, still no jobs. <laughs> trust me, it's still very lean. But it is lean yeah. right now. Yeah. So when we when we started <laughs> Iridium, <laughs> we decided that, and and it's a selfish thing, and I'm happy to take anybody to the mat who wants to go for it, but. Um, <laughs> We made a decision as individuals that um, we didn't have the emotional capacity to represent candidates anymore. I and think so, that's fair. yeah, so now we work on behalf of our clients. They call us. And one of the nice things is, you know, it can, we, we look for things that people have a hard time finding. So we call them purple squirrels, mm-hmm. but usually it's like, <laughs> You know, it's a job that, like, they've tried to fill and they can't. So, uh, you know, we kind of decided that that was the direction we wanted to go. And when we were in Patagonia to kind of bring it full circle, Mm -hmm. we were on this ridiculous cave tour, like, (laughs) totally nerded out in these giant life jackets. And we're on this boat and the wind's blowing, like, 90 miles an hour. And we're on our tits off. Yeah, I mean, it was so cold. (laughs) And it's like rainy and stuff, but the water is this like incredible blue. And so we asked the guy, we're like, why is the water this color? And he's like, oh, it's space dust. And our little. Bullshit. Yeah. Yeah, I know it really was. But that's it was- when y'all realized we needed smarter people. <laughs> I mean, it was pretty creative. I have to give him he's that like, one. Oh, this like asteroid, whatever. So Kaylee and I, of course, we're sitting at the bar later that night and we're like, no, but really, why is the water blue? <laughs> <laughs> So we look it up, and it's the presence of an element called iridium. And we were like, light bulbs. So then we were like, oh, well, that's kind of a cool name. It was your silver lining. Yeah, it was. Kaylee goes, if we ever start a company, we should do that. And we came back from our trip, and we walked into our, like, hey, where are we headed in 2019 meeting? And Kaylee and I walked out of that meeting, uh, and we looked at each other, and we said, so how about iridium? (laughs) Why don't we try this? We on should our try own. this, and then we, you know, did the whole like jump off the cliff moment, which you feel really empowered. Yeah. About a foot off the cliff, then so, you're like, "Holy shit!" Free so, fall. So you bought the like dot com, and then you were like, "Ah, oh, shit." Yeah. No, and and we didn't, you know, and iridium sounds really cool if you know how to pronounce it, and or you know how to spell it. Which some days when I'm trying to tell somebody that you know my email address, I have a really hard time remembering how many R's and I's we have in our damn name. Yeah. Like it gets tough some days. Yeah. Um. But yeah, so that's why we kind of ventured out. Um, kind of doing our own thing. You had an aha moment. Yeah. And that's like absolutely brilliant. Mm-hmm. And considering your history as sisters and coworkers and your family's history, the around the kitchen table type talk, like that's like full circle. So yeah, yeah. you gotta be kind of proud of yourselves for that one. Well, like, totally. We really like what we do too. We like helping people. So, um, well, so yeah. let's talk about helping people mm-hmm. because the oil and gas industry and the energy industry just as a whole, we are not very forgiving. Unfortunately, we tend to not give second chances. We tend to encourage people to weed themselves out of industry, which, you know, more than likely sometimes needs to happen. But we are in a downturn here where we are losing technical skills left and right. And a lot of people are getting laid off because of their tenure, which is the exact reason we need to keep them. But we also can't get rid of the younger ones because 
holy shit, we already have a like 40 year age gap or experience gap. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. what is y'all's experience? And I just insight into second chances, be it you weeded yourself out of industry, you removed yourself from industry for a short period of time, layoffs, fires, maybe you were just a stupid 20 year old and did something stupid and got yourself in trouble, but you still are passionate about industry. How do you stand out when you're down and out? I think it comes back to kind of building that rapport again, building back up that like little tiny like brick uh, by sorry. brick. Mm-hmm. I, are you saying re- resiliency? Resiliency? Oh. oh. Or are you starting with another R? Going back to resiliency? I was trying to bring in rapport, but we could try that. <laughs> yeah. yeah take um, it away. You mean okay. effective networking? Effective networking? <laughs> well, I think it does. I mean, um, it is a really small industry. I mean, it really is. Um, it is international. It is the most powerful thing. It is what politicians gripe about constantly. And yet, you could throw a rock and hit a neighbor. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, completely. You have no idea. And it's scandalous. <laughs> and I love it. <laughs> That's why we love what we do, too. I mean, it's such a small world. I mean, it how is. many of our candidates over the years have turned into hiring managers, have turned into That's my new... favorite. I know. It's so oh, much you're fun. Like, shit, yeah. Remember that I time? love it. It's my favorite. I love it. Because, yeah. you know, a lot of... A lot of people came of age at the same time we got started too. So it's really cool to see like, mm-hmm. you know, coaching people when we were in our early 20s and being like, oh, yeah, you should use this font in your resume. And then they get a job. And then, you know, yep. here we are 10 years later and they're calling. They're like, yeah, I'm building a new company. I so, need people. And you're like, shit, yeah, you do. <laughs> <laughs> How many times do y'all get a pink resume? Not often. Okay, there's yeah. a new <laughs> there's yeah. a new trend right now where everybody has these really graphic resumes that look really cool with you know like icons and clip art and full disclosure, people just put words on a page. I was about like, to say they're putting clip art on there. I, I mean, like yeah, like those like trendy little icons for I mean, skills and stuff. The problem is, is everybody uses applicant tracking systems, so. <laughs> I cannot tell you how many times somebody puts a resume in mm-hmm. our website and their first name is the file. So a lot of times it'll be like, instead of John, you know, Doe, <laughs> it'll be like a microphone icon and then like wherever you <laughs> saved it. And I'm like, I, I hate this. Is that, is that what I should add to mine as a podcaster? Microphone mm-hmm. icon? Yeah, I mean, yes. you could. Please <laughs> <For> don't. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, please don't. Or a headshot. Are you serious? People, stop putting your picture on your resume. It does not help you no, at all. It's not Wait, good. Nobody gives a shit if you think you look pretty that day. No. Oh it, and it, it's it's not... I think there's a lot of stuff that people do because I think they read a lot of online blogs about resumes and they fixate on the resume being the most important thing that they put in front of most anybody. Most bloggers started their blogs because their resumes didn't work. Yeah, it's their part-time job on the side. I mean, yeah. And that can be their passion. That's cool. Yeah, I mean, I think there's a lot of stuff that people do um, because they don't understand the changes that have happened in um, the job searching yeah, yeah. world. But it's totally different than it was five years ago. What totally your, different ten years ago. But what are, what are your key, like, what's your top five key advice for resume building, I mean, like you said, if you were down and out because of a stupid decision or mm-hmm. you just got caught up in layoffs, like, what do you do to get your foot back in the door? Because like you said, this is a fucking awesome industry. It's a great industry. Yeah. Yeah. Don't leave. We love you. Please don't leave. We, we need you. <laughs> we, need, we need to recruit you. <laughs> I think top five things, like, number one, gut check. Get 
get weird with yourself in the sense of like real like, not weird don't no weird. i'm saying weird oh like, we're going weird do some, okay. do some self-work that's, you know that's the wine <laughs> uh no get weird in the sense of really take a hard look yeah. at at where you're at and you know i think initially a lot of folks in um in the wake of a layoff mm-hmm. tend to self-pity self-pity or they glamorize where they were at and you know at the end of the day put yourself where you were on an any given Tuesday in your previous role at 3:30 p.m. were you happy oh, if you weren't they were playing on LinkedIn exactly so like <laughs> I know what they were doing <laughs> so I think um you know doing that kind of more uncomfortable self-work yeah um to really give yourself a reality check of do you want to be here do you want the role? What are you looking for? Do you What's want different? The, uh, the volatility. Yeah. Because it's, I mean, it's drama and we love it, but we wouldn't stay if we didn't love it. Right. Where were you at at that point in time? Was that the perfect fit for you? If not, I mean, yeah. a lot of times people stay in places because they don't think through an alternative mm-hmm. or they're, they're too scared to explore that. Right. Exactly. So a lot of times the layoff phase is really great because not so much that it weeds people out, which I think is kind of a more negative kind of concept on it, but it allows you to weed out what's important to you, I guess, yeah. is the best way to think about it. Opportunity to reassess. I think people weed themselves out. They learn what's important to them, and mm-hmm. if it's just not fitting, then they're miserable, and they essentially, they essentially weed themselves out of industry mm-hmm. if they don't want it. And it's a demanding industry. It is not a 9 to 5. It is a 24-7 plus some, and... Mm-hmm. That's why it's become work-life balance. I mean, integration, not work-life balance. Oh, and you have to continue to improve and learn all the time. Yeah. I mean, you this have is... to prove that you're learning. Jesus Christ, how can I prove that I learned? I yeah. forgot half the stuff I learned in school. Jesus. <laughs> I think that, and then I think kind of um, flexibility is a huge thing. Since we weren't able to do the candidate marketing mm-hmm. um, anymore. What we did as an alternative, because we still wanted to be able to help people, um, is we do candidate coaching. And mm-hmm. so a lot of times we'll kind of do these deeper dives That's and so talk smart. through, where are you at? Did you actually want this? You know, And it's like equal parts career coaching and a little bit of like self-help in the sense a lot of times people just need to talk through Oh my God, Shit. y'all are job therapists. <laughs> a, a little Sometimes bit. Sometimes it feels that way. For yeah, sure. that's yeah. awesome. Yeah, yeah, and we really enjoy it. And um, I think one of the things that we try to get people to do is to look at, okay, here's your skills. Where do you want to be? Mm-hmm. A lot of times they want to chase the dragon. You know, <laughs> They're like, oh, I have been a reservoir engineer for the last 15 years. I want to be a reservoir engineer. And then oh, you talk with them. Because they're, they're siloed. Yeah, mm-hmm. so they're always thinking about putting themselves back in the position that they were already in. Mm-hmm. And so I think that help we are able to kind of help people a lot of times help themselves talk through that. So that brings in the flexibility Mm-hmm. And I think also uh, vulnerability is a huge part of it. And this applies to everything we've talked about tonight, including, you know, the kind of overarching where we're at as an industry is that it's okay to say you don't know and you're scared and you don't know what it looks like. Or I ask questions. Get comfortable with that. I hit that and push that constantly, but you would be surprised especially the guys, they do not feel comfortable. And I don't think it's an ego thing anymore. I think it's a legitimate, we cannot look like we do not understand. Mm -hmm. But I'm sorry, but five years in, the reality is, is you do not understand. 
we will never understand. We will never understand. I think like ever, ever. And I think one of the things that um, with the great crew change that has changed the full dynamic, right? We're kind of going through a mini one too. We're going through a mini one. I mean, we've we've the great crew change has effectively you know changed the dynamic of the whole industry. But with that, also the fact that we change so rapidly. So like, what the skill sets are for a reservoir engineer. Um, they are adapting, right? Now you need to have programming capabilities and you need to know various different software languages. Well, and coding has become the new business degree. Oh, it totally so, has. Sorry, if you don't have business plus engineering, yep. you're, you might not be marketable because engineers don't have the soft skills, the communication, the organization. They might not be able to get to point A to B, but right. business people can get from A to B to C. Yeah, and Absolutely. so I, I think we're going to continuously put these like additional parameters into these roles. And as our age bracket, so kind of like 30s become the new managers and 40s, like there's, you know, we're no longer going to be the um, traditional kind of management structure where you bring somebody in as a new member to the team, mm-hmm. and they go to the manager, and the manager has the answer. We are no longer in that world. Nope. Um, those people are no longer present, and or they don't have the skill sets to answer those questions. So mm-hmm. now the managers that we are becoming are becoming coaching managers. Yep. How can we help you find the answer? How can we help you get to the, the solution faster? And that's a different mentality and approach to the work environment than we have seen historically in our industry. It's a threatening mentality because think about it. Seniors Vulnerability now, too. Seniors now, even from the international, just because there is a cultural difference, and I'm sorry, but there is, there is emphasis on seniority. However, to your point, our industry has evolved to a round table environment. Everyone has an input. They're yep. integrated mm-hmm. teams. It might not be happening in the majors right now, but everybody is expected to have a voice and managers are more encouraged to make that junior stand out and quite frankly, be comfortable making mistakes in front of the entire room mm-hmm. than they are for waiting for people to talk after they speak. So yeah, I yeah. mean. I would agree and I, I think that some of the themes that you hear time and again and that we talk with people about are, you know, the the curiosity aspect. You know, it used to be that you would know something in and out. Like our grandpa, he could talk for hours That's about a smarter generation. About like, I'm sorry. <laughs> like but you know, but not necessarily. I think it's interesting to see that we have quite a few mentors that are in like C suite. Mm-hmm roles Mm -hmm. and they ask questions you know we always talk about ask the questions you know be curious like foster that curiosity we have done multiple panels and taught we just ad nauseum about this curiosity concept and I think that that is the one skill that if everybody in the industry at any level in any discipline could teach themselves yeah. to be curious, we would all be better for it because when mm-hmm. you know better, you do better. And it is so cool to see, you know, C-suite guys in their mid-60s asking the stupid question to us like, how do I do this on LinkedIn? <laughs> There's a vulnerability there yeah. in the same way that... Do you know how long it took them to ask that question? Totally. Oh, probably like three days. Oh, oh my yeah. God. And I love, I love stories so of, you know, we've got some clients who have plant operators who they are asking the older guys in the field how how does this work and oh by the way 
I can't figure out how to clock in. And so then you've got the younger guys explaining how they use the phone app. Like, if we could <laughs> all just get a little more comfortable with being A, uncomfortable, really focusing and fostering the curiosity, mm-hmm. and, and C, being okay with the gray space and not knowing and being vulnerable, I think that it would open up so many more opportunities for everybody and for all of us in the industry, essentially. Mm-hmm. Well, and I mean, that even goes to, you know, how you approach your job search. I mean, I Mm -hmm. think a lot of times, like, traditionally, you would only search for the specific title that you were looking for that was in the classic kind of team, asset Mm -hmm. team, or whatever the hell it might be, right? Gag me. (laughs) Yes. I'm a completions engineer. That's all I do. Okay. You're more than that. We believe. We believe that you can, you can, you can migrate to something different, hopefully. I know some, some that aren't more than that, but Mm. you know, whatever. You you gotta have those, you gotta have those holdouts, you will. Uh, (laughs) They they help me consider job security. (laughs) It might be the case down the road for sure. Um, So yeah, I think it's like really, it's important to, um, you know, talk with your peer group around you. If you are part of that kind of like layoff structure, the consolidation, because at the end of the day, there's more job opportunities out there. They just might not look like the you you're they're thinking going they're going to exactly. look. It, you're getting they're not scrappy. No, no, they're so not. I love that. Get the fucking, get scrappy. Get scrappy. Super I mean, scrappy. like, that's really what you're going to be doing. And it's painful. I, I, I don't think it's easy anymore um, at all to find a job. You know, anybody who says that they know how to do job searches, it's about like, to get harder. Oh, it's so hard. It's hard now. It's going to get harder. Yeah. And in I, the next two quarters, I think we're going to see that age of consolidation is actually going to be a day to day thing. Yep. It, it definitely is. And, you know, consolidation is, is something that's always been around in our industry and it's in every industry. Yeah. We, we like, I it's think just we, caught up with us yeah. this time around. <laughs> but I think we, we're so focused on like us and kind of outside of like the, the realm of just us, there's consolidation across any industry. Mm-hmm. Um, so I wish there was consolidation against professional protesters. Mm. I don't think they experienced that yet. I think they will. <laughs> There's only so many people out there, right? So you're going like, to consolidate eventually. In I have goals. the voodoo doll set up for it. <laughs> and I will, I will say that particularly in Denver and in this market right now, it, it's tough. And I oh, think yeah. that mm-hmm. if you think that anybody is immune or if you think mm-hmm. there's anything you can do in your career that will make you immune, just get that idea right out of your head right now. And I think... One thing that we coach a lot on, particularly with folks who have been through layoffs, is instead of getting angry, get insightful. Ooh, smart. Mm-hmm. It's really easy. It's tough to do, by it the way. It is really easy, <laughs> and we are all guilty of it in in some way, shape, or form. But I do respond really well out of spite. <laughs> <laughs> it's really easy to say, well, I got let go because of this, or, you know, I... I am not finding a job for this reason. And and really, it was just a number on a page. It mm-hmm. had nothing to do with you. And it might have not had every, anything to do with you, but it might be the opportunity that you need to... Start a podcast. St- start, yeah, <laughs> and like, something. Yeah. Look, look at what you're doing and reassess. And I think that one of the biggest disservices that people can do to themselves is to... A, interviews are hard to come by in town right now. And... To walk into an interview having gotten it and bring this narrative dragging it with you like, you know, an old ball and chain of, well, I worked here and then it, it, you know, everything went to hell in a handbasket. If you bring that into your interview, you're not going to get hired. 
you need oh, to they're going to stop listening to you they they don't even want to hear it you know and that's not to, to everyone it's not to say that it is not an intensely personal mm-hmm. and intensely difficult and hard situation to go through but i would challenge people who feel that look around you know mm-hmm. recognize there are a lot of people in that boat and make the best of it and get scrappy. But it is kind of interesting you say it's not personal because I would push back and say... Oh, no, I said it was deeply personal. Yeah, okay. Sorry. Good. It is. It's, it is it's really intensely personal. personal. Yeah, because I will say, like, 16 hours a day, working your ass off, waking up at 4 in the morning to take your boss's call, then they took their boss's call. Yeah. You know, there's always something up the chain. You cannot help but be... No invested in that narrative yeah. and it's a hard thing to shake mm-hmm. it is a hard thing to shake and and i do think you know especially people who are highly identified with what they do mm-hmm. it is i definitely register harder. as an engineer <laughs> and you and okay I'm, i paid a lot of money for that damn title yeah <laughs> i'm still paying your heart and souls in it right <laughs> you lose you lose a piece of your identity yeah. when that changes mm-hmm. and that that's delicate and well, it's, it's kind of yeah. interesting you say that because re-evaluating your worth we are in a downturn i have noticed that there are still students and i'm telling you there are even still people who you know under 10 years of experience which to me are still kind of like inter- younger intermediates mid juniors and that's just the reality because there's so much to learn in our industry there is still this perception of a six-figure salary yeah let's say you got laid off and you get a $90,000 job, but you might have been at a $150,000 job just because of when you started. And it's usually tied to oil price. So like mm-hmm. the higher salaries come with the upticks, so yeah. to speak. Is it really worth Is it smart to think of this industry as a six-figure industry? Because I don't think it is anymore. I think if you find a way to get your foot back in the door and it might be $30 an hour as, you know, almost like an intern at least your damn foot's in the door because think of how many people are not there. So can y'all kind of talk to it? Because I know you've done some mm-hmm. like salary coaching, how to ask for the right amount of money. And quite frankly, we need to reevaluate what we are worth as engineers these days. Well, and I think looking at the full package too, I think when we, you know, typically on a historical basis, we would talk about how it was such a high earning industry. It still is, like comparatively. I mean, that's, that's why people got into industry. They yep. didn't follow their family. They were like following the money. And it's not exactly the right place to follow the money. Yeah. It might not be yeah. over the long term. And you know, things are changing. You know, GNA is something that people are holding tight. Everyone um, knows what it means now. <laughs> they do, right? If you didn't know what it was before. It means people. It means yeah. people and overhead. Um, and so I think that like, you know, one of the things that we 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 do initially when you see a shock of you know you get laid off and you have a second offer you have the opportunity to go through an interview right and you don't bring your ball and chain of all your negativity negativity to the interview mm-hmm. you bring you know positivity and you know you you slay and you just like freaking walk out of that and you're like i'm glorious and i'm totally getting this job offer and then you get the I job offer to the music the, oh yeah if i've done well rap yeah <laughs> oh yeah some gangster rap oh, on the way home yeah yeah, yeah yeah oh yeah <laughs> yeah totally um, so if you get to that moment and you get the offer, um, and it is a difference, I think that's something that it goes with the soul searching, you know, is the, is the role important to you? I mean, is the team, are you identifying with the team? What are the people that you're going to be working with? I always say, choose the team where you're going to learn the most. 
I love that. So yeah. if that means you're going to learn the most and have have like a springboard to something different mm-hmm. in your next step mm-hmm. within the organization that you're looking at or another one, then I think it's worth the money to take a little bit of a, a step back. Be willing to be a junior on the team again. Yeah. Flexibility. Flexibility. But no, I would agree. And I think uh, also with that is it, you had mentioned earlier that people tend to weed themselves out sometimes. Mm-hmm. That's okay. But there are no other industries that have the upside that we historically do. Unless medical, but that takes like 36 years to be a doctor. Oh, and I hate blood. There'd be no way for me to do that. (laughs) There's just no way. You'd be like, she's bleeding. I can't help her. (laughs) Yeah, I can't help her. And also, I think like one of the things is is, um, you look at like not only the team, the opportunity, the company. There's other asks that you can have, Mm -hmm. right? So maybe the flexibility with work-life balance is something that you can bring to the table and say, look, this. Cell phone, even. Yeah. Cell phone. Cell phone. Parking. 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 Uh, paid time off. Eco I'm a pass. huge fan. Yeah. Right? Right. Like, uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> travel fiends. I mean, Patagonia. I mean, we basically work to travel. Let's be real here. Um, so there's there's ways of looking at things differently. And I think naturally, if you show into show up to a team and you do a really great job and you create added value for that company, mm-hmm. more often than not, you're going to be compensated again in the future. So you'll build back into that you upside, do. but be willing to take the hit. Yeah. And honestly, I don't think new grads should be expecting, like, one, you're very brave for entering the industry at this time, but you should not be coming into industry thinking that you're going to kick it off with an $85,000 job. Be willing to do... No, no, it's 2013. No, I know, I miss it. (laughs) (laughs) So not. We worked on commissions. I miss it, too. Yeah, yeah, it was perfect. I love that. But I was thinking, like, I knew people taking $40,000, $50,000 jobs, which is more of, like, what entry business uh, graduates take. Mm -hmm. And I was thinking to myself, like... Like, damn straight. And then when people weren't taking internships because they were unpaid, I was like, hold on. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That you should be taking it because they just offered you experience. (laughs) Right. Yes. Yes. Experience at that stage in your career, I think, is way more important than the price point that you're going to get. Five years in. Yep. And I think... Just suck it up. Yeah. Just work work through it. We all start somewhere, and it's a great place to start. We sometimes see, and there's sometimes the idea that... If you hold out, the right thing's going to come along and it's going to be the right salary or it's going to be where you were before. Damn and hippies. I just... Grass is greener, right? It know, might be astroturf over there. It might be fake. I have no idea. Damn hippies. And it's, it's a thing that is... It's a, it's a, it's a mentality, right? Um, that somebody's going to give you something. And I would say, in general, the folks who, again, going back to the scrappy thing... Get creative. Think about how your skills can apply to a different realm or mm-hmm. a different job. Um, get creative with what you actually need from a compensation standpoint. Think about how you can leverage your network. This, the idea that that somebody is going to remember something you did in a previous company and they're going to reach back out and give you a job, that's how it used to work, and mm-hmm. it really did. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not the way it works anymore. Like, get scrappy and do the work. You know, I. It is not. Un, it is not uncommon to hear people talk about applying for fifty, sixty, seventy, a hundred jobs. Yeah. You have to go through a hundred to get one yes. You mm-hmm. know, you you, you know do what sad, you have though? to do. Those are not. That's not how many jobs are available these days. No. Though. So 
it might be the time if you you need to step away from industry for a little while but again going back to y'all's point of transferable skill sets if yeah. you have to step away from industry what is your transferable skill set how Absolutely. do you get back into industry should that mm-hmm. be your like chosen path because there's always going to be an upside but you know right now we have to kind of wait for war to break out to <laughs> pop up oil prices so <laughs> you'd be surprised there's a lot of crossover on skill sets between and that's part of the reason why you know at iridium we've always wanted to work across the whole spectrum of so energy how, how do people go from upstream to midstream because like i never hear of that really yeah oh, there's a lot of people actually i think it's like the dirty little secret nobody talks about right um, but <laughs> you went down to pipelines yeah, yeah. wow <laughs> down to pipelines and then there's other people who are like wait you went all the way to up Stream you went to like well why? Like, so gross. <laughs> yeah, why? Yeah, like, you traitor. You traded the sorority. <laughs> You're definitely kicked out. Um, so I think like it, it's one of those things that we don't talk enough mm-hmm. about the cross pollination that we have in okay. the industry. Um, you know, I think we get we get started talking in like our own little groups, right? And we don't really talk about a how much compensation is. I think people have a weird problem with talking about comp, right? They also have a, a weird conversation about talking about where they came from, right? That's interesting. So they're not going to tell you how they made in typical conversation, how they made their leap between their different jobs a lot of the times. You have to ask about it. It's not going to be something that naturally comes into conversation. So okay. I think asking, being comfortable with being vulnerable and ask. Exactly. And you'd be surprised on how the reason it actually occurred was from real conversations. Mm-hmm. It was it was through pure networking. Mm-hmm. It was talking through problems that he was seeing that um, – their background they had had some kind of exposure some value add they could bring to the table and they were able to convey that in an actual conversation i love that so (laughs) it happens more than you think there's hope for all of us there is hope and (laughs) And i think that the yeah and it stems from the conversations Mm -hmm. having actual conversations and reaching out to people even to say i'm interested in power I come from this background. Like, can you know? Can we hang out? And there are so many can good. Well, <laughs> I mean, really, yeah. there are so many good organizations in town right now that are promoting the broader energy spectrum. Mm-hmm. I know Wen's doing a lot of work with that. I know YPE oh, yeah. is doing a lot of work mm-hmm. with that, and it's cool. I mean, it's I, cool as shit. It's so cool. I mean. I'm having coffee with a friend who I worked with years ago. She was an intern for us. <laughs> I mean, and she's up at NREL now. And I saw... She's at NREL? Oh, yeah. my gosh. She's in, at NREL in a communications role. We're doing with YP an NREL tour. Guess what I did? Hopped on LinkedIn. What's up, girl? I can't believe you're at NREL. What is that like? Tell me about it. Because exactly. I don't know. And it's the same thing with power. Mm-hmm. Jess is on the YP board. I don't know anything about power. I was like, what books can I read? Exactly. How do I learn? Yeah. How do I learn? Mm-hmm. How do I know? Curiosity. Well, yeah. we've been talking this whole time about the job searcher, but let's talk about it from the perspective of upper management down. Okay. What are the conversations you guys are seeing? Because nobody likes to lay anybody off. In fact, if I know anything from my gra- background, when that happens, mm-hmm. there's a lot of personal turmoil because you, your main job as a manager is to protect your employees. Yeah. So, you know, bring them along, be that leader, lead from behind, all of those things. So when you have to make those hard decisions and the hard cuts, and then you have to go back the next day and figure out how to fill a spot that might have taken four people, but now you have to find one person. 
what are y'all seeing from management down instead of job searcher up? You bring up a really good point. And I, if we could all remember that we're all human a little bit. And Some of be, my managers were not human. Some of them were fat and lazy. I'm sorry. That is the truth. And that's okay. And guess what? There's always going to be assholes. And there's always <laughs> there's always going to be people who don't drive with you and get comfortable with that. And I will say there's no law against bad bosses, but I'm going to make it happen. Prop mm-hmm. 1 12 gets reintroduced, I can make this happen. <laughs> well, so I think, you know, being being cognizant of that, it, it's that it is tough mm-hmm. going both ways. For a vast majority of people, there are always going to be the people who are like, great, you know, it helps helps me. Like, people who yeah. aren't all boats rise, but I do, I do think that you're right. There is a lot of... Um, personal turmoil that happens absolutely and doing more with less is hard it's hard like I mean we are going to perpetually from this day forward I think always be doing more with less yeah it's taking fewer people to um have the same level of production that we used to have that's automation completely that's, that's completely a natural transition totally a natural transition I think like you know the tough it's going to be a it's going to be a long haul of us um you know really taking a close look as to you know who's really adding value on on not just the bottom line i think a lot of times unfortunately in consolidation um it is layoffs, the bottom line yeah. bottom line comes up first yeah. And it's really sad. And it's sad for those managers that have to put a number down and yeah. have to put a name next to it. Because honestly, I don't think anybody ever wants to have to do that. No. no. And having laid off employees in the past with downturns, personally, like it is, I mean, she laid my ass cried. off in 15. You fired I, your I sister? I fired my own sister. I did. Oh my God, that's so badass. Or laid her off. I guess. <laughs> it We're terrible. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it worked out. Right? But... It, yeah, a I mean, couple of Prozacs later, it was fine, it was right? <laughs> yeah, I just put all my shit in my car, moved to Steamboat for a while. It was fine. <laughs> yeah, it was perfect. You got to see the mountains. I slugged it out, man, yeah. for a little bit longer. Um, anyways, and so I think it's it's one of those things, like, it is it is deeply personal on both ends. Yes. Um, and, but I think um, what managers now, I think one of the problems that we have is we, we talk a lot from a job seeker perspective, from an mm-hmm. individual, and we forget that there's a human on the other side of the conversation in the company's chair. And they have been yes. on the other side of the table the same way you are, right? You think they've been fired too? Oh, God, yes. Oh, good. <laughs> in some fashion, at some stage in their career, everybody's going to run into it, right? Unfortunately, if you think that you were immune to your point earlier yeah. in industry, then you are going to be the first fired. Yeah, I, there's no way to stop it from happening. And exactly. I would piggyback on that in saying that if you have a concept that you are immune, it typically goes hand in hand with the idea of I know enough, I work hard enough, and you put yourself in a box where you are absolutely as good as you need to be to be kept. And <laughs> that, you were you were the kept woman. when you <laughs> yeah. when you get comfortable with that type of thinking, you should be cautious. Time um, to get uncomfortable. Exactly. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's interesting because a lot of our hiring managers and a lot of our clients now mm-hmm. are coming to us and they're saying we want people who are engaged. So they want people who are people. They want they want humans, humans. real people, like who no more robots, thought. no <laughs> robots. Like I mean, they. I mean, because if you're gonna think about it from this perspective, if you are managing a team, 
and you only have a limited amount of resources to um, have as, as team members, to mm-hmm. allocate towards team members, right? You want the most engaged people. You yeah. want the most passionate people. You want the most scrappy sons of bitches you can possibly find for your dollar. You want type A women? You want women. <laughs> you do. You, I mean, you do. We're crazy. We add We're a lot crazy, of extra but we value. We show up. <laughs> we show up. We yeah. will scrap things together. I mean, men fear us. <laughs> <laughs> and you want those men that are like, totally engaged oh, with all of the things. Bosses. Yeah, you want mm-hmm. those cool ones. So I think like what you're end up what we're going to end up with is with a concept that a manager is choosing a team that will grow with them, mm-hmm. right? That will adapt with them. So I think that's part of the reason why bringing your ball and chain into an interview is really unbecoming. Is <laughs> because they're like, "Yeah, dude, you got it. You got fucked. <laughs> we got fucked too." So but we're over that. But let's get to the brass tacks of what business needs to get done. Exactly. And the problems that we're currently experiencing. And what how can you help set, with that? Yeah. What skill set do you come, did you bring to the table? And yeah. what research did you do to prove that you were the one to talk to? Yeah, absolutely. Exactly. Because it's going to be a close. I mean, it's going to be. We have so many of our clients that we get down to brass tacks on three, to, three candidates. Mm-hmm. And they're beautiful candidates. I mean, they're amazing people. And it actually is traumatizing for our hiring managers in some situations to pick one. Because you realize <laughs> you pick one, there's two that you have to say no to. So, like, there is still this human element that, like, it, it's a tough pick, right? Mm-hmm. So, but to y'all's point, 50 no's to get a yes. Oh, like, and be ridiculous. willing to do that. Yeah. Yes. Otherwise, not the industry for you, but... At the mm-hmm. same time, every under every other industry Absolutely. is experiencing the same shit. So get on board and stop crying about it. Yeah, we're I mean we're all we're all sad, but we also have wine. <laughs> so yeah, and I think one thing that I will throw in on top of that is it used to be back back in the day. Back uh, in the day, <laughs> it used to be a lot more cut and dry. We would get a job order, and I mean, I I remember distinctly being on a phone call with a VP, and he told me, I am looking for somebody. I want this college because they have the best operations guys. They go through this circuit. It was mines of some kind, I'm sure. uh, (laughs) Marietta. Oh, Um, that's that's a good one. We don't don't talk about that. Um, So... And it used to be when you would take a job order, they basically had the idea in their head. They would say, I want this age bracket. I want this skill set. Bada bing, bada boom. We'd go out. We'd find it. Now, the conversations with hiring managers. We we used to be able to get a job order and a job description, and you could fill it because it was the zero sum Mm -hmm. of whatever was in the description. Not anymore. We just took two job orders with a client on Tuesday, and we talked to them for an hour and a half. Oh, were they like, we need someone who wears polka dots on Tuesdays and no. their favorite color is Actually, no. really practical what shit. Is, it's really? cool. Yeah. What was amazing about it, and I think this is what's cool, and it speaks to the being scrappy and the being flexible and the looking at your skill set and how things apply and the soft qualities, is that they were basically like, here's the job as it it sits and how we envision it right now. Mm-hmm. It could also be this and this and this. And if somebody had these skills, then it could go a little bit this way and it could go a little bit that way. You're going back to the gray space. Everything is gray. Way gray. And what's so cool about that is 
we step up and say, well, it sounds to us like maybe you're looking for somebody with blah, 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 and they push back. And that's the thing that's happening now. It's like, you know, Kaylee and I will say, well, it sounds like you need a, you know, person with this level of experience. And they'll say, well, not necessarily. You know what that is? That's really cool, Mm -hmm. both from a company's standpoint, because it shows that people are thinking about how they can build teams around skills as Mm -hmm. opposed to just filling empty spaces. And it shows that it doesn't matter if you're somebody who's late stage career or you're a fresh grad. If you have the skill set and you're willing to pitch it and sell it and step up and do the work, that there might be a space for you. So it's it's a really interesting change in that regard because it's way gray where it used to be so easy. <laughs> I, I kind of love it though because it tells me that the oil and gas and the energy industry is evolving. Oh yeah, no, oh, totally. That is something we've been accused of not doing. So if we're evolving mm-hmm. with our people, we're evolving across the board. And oh, totally. that is amazing. It, I think it goes to the dynamic aspects of the teams anymore. I mean, mm-hmm. so like one job, like say you're searching on the internet, which most people are right now for new jobs, right? And there's a lot of you, um, and a lot of oh, us too, right? Um, <laughs> so if you're out there and you're seeing a job description mm-hmm. and it looks really basic, in all honesty, that's just like one layer. That's like one layer of the whole onion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if you look at the actual company and where they're headed and do some research and stuff like that, and I know it's really troublesome when you have to apply to so many different jobs to get there. I'll suck it up. I, yeah, I mean, it's <laughs> it's part of the process. Call yeah. your network. Ask your network what they know about the companies. Also, don't just start networking because you need a job. Continue networking because you have colleagues. Always oh, network. Like, networking is like one of those things. Is it's a it's a habit and it's something that you should do just like brushing your teeth every every single day maybe not every day but and also do not be afraid to ask for coffee for someone who is out of your league because mm-hmm. chances are and the cool thing about our industry is that they are willing to have coffee with you yeah but just don't be a bad date like don't come asking for something come to understand pick their brain get get some of their mojo mm-hmm. and then maybe down the line have Absolutely. the balls to ask well, Absolutely. I think that goes both ways, though, now. Like, you also have to be the person that's willing to say yes when you get asked for a cup of coffee from somebody. Sure. See, I ask all the time. No one ever says no to me. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So you, you have to actually... You podcast or you think it's just... I always think that people are willing to talk about their skill set. Oh, they totally are. But also, I think that back back in, you know, back in the day, way back in the day, um, <laughs> it used to be the, the one of those things that it was time, you know, they wouldn't want to spend the time. They're like, well, I'm really busy. I can't, I can't commit to that, Everyone's right? Everyone's really busy. Everybody's very Don't busy. Don't be a dick. But I think what's starting to happen is the people that were more senior in those careers mm-hmm. now are at this transition the same way that we are in yeah. our 30s and early stage, right? So you never know who the new the new thinkers are going to be like the new business leads the new entrepreneurs which is so cool to watch it's great it It used to mentorship used to be like well i'm gonna instill you one way direction with all my knowledge and now it's really cool to have like you know our mentors call and be like did you hear this (laughs) what do you think about it what do you know about it we're like we don't know see we're in such a pivot point in our industry right now that it is almost boring to be the next group of four guys in a cell phone who decided to (laughs) buy this underproducing asset because they have a new idea we're seeing stuff come out in the tech space in the consulting space that it's like redefining our industry Mm -hmm. so it's like a really exciting time to be an entrepreneur Mm -hmm. and to think outside of the coloring box instead of being four guys in a cell phone yeah and a lot of the people who got laid off are the new entrepreneurs and they're coming 
up with really cool stuff. Well, they're getting busy because they're bored as shit, and I don't blame them. Yeah, yeah. yeah a bored you know scientist or engineer, they're gonna come up with something, and right? They're mad scientist, and I love it. Yeah, so <laughs> yeah, it's really yeah. turning turning the shitty situations into opportunities. It's well, it's pretty cool. Well, from y'all's perspective, because you do have such an intimate insight into several companies all over the globe, what's happening in our industry? Again, we are at an election year, which is so fun for me because I will debate politics all day long. We are at a new decade. We are still in a prolonged transition. So what happens to the energy industry? I think that that's a tough one, right? That's Good. One. If I had a crystal ball and I was like Miss Cleo, I could totally figure oh, it out. Do you man. remember Miss Cleo? Is she still alive? I have no I idea. Know, I know she was I like a scammer. That so maybe I don't want to be so Cleo. many times. Oh, I do yeah. want to go get my palms red. I just want to <laughs> I would see. totally do that. <laughs> do it in New Orleans. I did it years ago. It was no, such a voodoo. hoot. I'm from Mississippi. There's voodoo down there. We don't fuck with voodoo. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. I had a neighbor who used to sacrifice chickens on their front porch. We don't fuck with voodoo. Oh, mm. that sounds like a true detective like episode. Ooh, I just finished that. It was just like 10 years late but that's okay (laughs) they also had white lions in front of their uh, driveway oh yeah mississippi (laughs) (laughs) sounds pretty cool i think we're getting more gray that's like honestly that is the that is the only surefire thing that i can say with any level of confidence about the industry is we are we're getting more gray so get uncomfortable or We're get, get comfortable being uncomfortable, uncomfortable. yeah i love it For get sure. uncomfortable being or sorry get comfortable being uncomfortable and get scrappy like uh no we're gonna go back to what you said first get weird with yourself seriously yeah. get weird it, i mean <laughs> go research weird shit like you don't have no, no idea no, don't do that okay especially well maybe on, not like, especially on work computers don't do okay, that. okay okay don't do this <laughs> definitely not you want to keep your job don't do that please and honestly like talk with people about it Mm -hmm. it's really cool to especially at some of these more kind of cross-pollinating networking events it's really cool to hear somebody talk about like hey man i'm kind of interested i think we could do this with nuclear next to somebody who is like (laughs) dyed in the wool oil and gas who's like wait what and like, like legitimately like let's talk in a vulnerable and like open way not to prove points not to convert people not to do whatever like just it sounds crazy but like pointless conversations are the, are best. the best because that yep. is where some of this crazy innovation Smart is going to be born never of. happened eating a caesar salad buy pizza get weird yeah i like it <laughs> what is the weirdest thing that has ever happened in an interview what i find more entertaining is uh what people are looking for in yeah. from the manager standpoint. Oh. It, okay, descriptions. Get oh my god. It. Okay, we've we've seen some really interesting requests. I mean, you would be surprised by how odd requests get sometimes because it's like, okay, I they've come up with a whole persona, right, of who they are hoping they to have on their team. They created a criminal profile. Right. I mean, they really <laughs> have. Like, they could tell you the color of, like, shirt the person's going to wear on the first day down Bellage to, like, what they're... are highlights. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, I mean, we've, we've had some really interesting ones. We had um, one that was a executive um, assistant search, and they, they wanted very specific requirements on this executive assistant search because the former person that they had hired before wore a size six, and there was a lot of clothes available still. And we're like, uh, It's like a personal assistant. It's a personal assistant. Um, this is Hold many on, years ago. Clothes available? 
they outfitted the individual so that they we they could go and look classy to the various different events. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was. I mean, so you'd be weird, like weird requests that you haven't even thought about are kind of out there sometimes, and <laughs> it's our job to be like, yeah. Cool idea. Not gonna, not gonna happen. Yeah. Piggybacking on that, just like people tend to have such a great idea of what they don't want. <laughs> and so, that list is long. Mercy. It, yeah, in coaching, so particularly. Like not, not like green eyes, they want blue. Yeah, pretty. I mean, it's the same thing when you go on a date and everybody like lays out their like whole like tepid history and then they're like so that's me what about you and you're like oh my god that's too much yeah that happens a lot with interviews where they'll be like I don't want to do this and I don't want to do this and I don't want to do that and we get down to the end of it and Caitlin and I are looking at each other going I I don't think there's a job here do do you want to work best questions okay so here's this dirty little secret about us we really hate interview questions we like read nonstop about like behavioral based interviewing and mm-hmm. numerical waiting on responses and, and the new AI and psychology. <laughs> and, like, I mean, I nerd out over this shit like <laughs> in such a terrible way. But right? you like the human psyche, then? I like the human human psyche. So I think at the end of the day, like the questions should be very much like earlier in the conversation when you mentioned that people listen to respond, mm-hmm. not listen. so I think it's really it's important to you mean listening is an active process it is like the hardest most active process it's way worse than running (laughs) so I I think I don't know if I have a a favorite question on that I think mine is and we had to stop using it because my uh, interviews were running like an hour when they should have been clocking at like 30 minutes Uh, (laughs) thank you journalism degree Uh, (laughs) Tell me how you came to be where you are. Tell me a little bit about yourself. You know, I think a lot of times people, that's when people open up about family connections and yeah, they give you their life story. And that's what I like to hear. I've been told it's not the most efficient manner of processing high (laughs) volumes of individuals, but uh, it's still interesting. And I I enjoy that Mm -hmm. question the most, I think. I think asking them about, you know, various different projects and having them like dork out on stuff Mm -hmm. and being comfortable with the fact that like you might not understand what they're talking about because you you know we spend a lot of our time talking to people who are far more technically advanced than we are yeah um and we're trying to match them with a technically advanced team you're also trying to teach them soft skills in the process (laughs) and i think you had asked earlier kind of one of the things that sets us apart you know we like the technology. We love technical stuff, and so you both are nerds. But we you, nerd out four generations deep of just nerdy shit. Oh, yeah, <laughs> and we we interview the people we interview largely to learn more for us. Like we had a client that you know was like, "Hey, we're doing a bunch of these you know cryo facilities," and Kaylee and I are like, "Yeah." What? Is that where you freeze bodies? Exactly. (laughs) Am I freezing fat? Like, that's great. my head. (laughs) We're at, like, a GPA event, like, a seminar they had. And we, like, page 65 of notes. Like, yeah, I don't know what half of this means, but we're going to look it up when we get home. (laughs) You know? Oh, so you're engineers. I get it. (laughs) Hey, so how does this actually work? How is that doohickey tied to this doohickey? And then going out in the field. I think that really helps. We love going to the field. I mean, to see things in action Mm -hmm. and point and have the conversations with the people that are right there. Because it's one thing to, like, talk about it over the phone. But to actually see it in action, it's so 
cool. It yeah, is really and cool. I will so say cool. we've been talking really technically, but you guys are really good about going field to firm, so you don't mm-hmm. really care. Like nothing no. slows y'all down. You'll talk to anybody, and I think that's most important because field guys are so underrepresented, and they are literally the spine and backbone of the entire industry. Oh, they have so they, much knowledge, so much it's fucking insane. knowledge, and I think the level of respect is something you know in the industry. There's just you know, we respect the hell out of people mm-hmm. and we firmly believe that it is something that is, you know, given mm-hmm. and it, it can be taken away very easily. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we legitimately are the same people on the phone when we're talking to somebody in a C-suite as when we are standing, when you're you talking know, to a janitor, exactly. So to speak. It, I you mean, speak it, to people the same way, the with same, same way, mm-hmm. and everybody's job is just as relevant. It is just as vital, and it is just as important. And I just love to drive that home because so many times people are like, "Well, I'm this, and I don't do this," or you know, <laughs> "Oh, field guys, like don't oh field guys me like they're they yeah. work their asses off. They you- work." beg them to transfer their knowledge because mm-hmm. they are generations deep in that yeah. knowledge. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and a lot of the times, like the, it is mutually incomprehensible. The work that goes back and forth. Like a lot of times you talk to a field guy and he's like, you couldn't pay me to sit in an office and stare at a computer. Oh, and you no. talk to people in the office and like, you couldn't pay me to work 14 like, on 14 off. It's so funny. Cause the conversations between the two are so relevant. Yeah. So like a lot of the, um, the jobs that we, we end up getting to work, are the ones where like they are having a hard time finding somebody with the the skill set to be able to work between and understand from the actual hands-on operational side of in the field mm-hmm. and the engineering behind it, right? So that bridge, like any kind of bridge building capability that you can learn and skill set is super valuable mm-hmm. in our industry right now. Um, so yeah, I mean, and people can't talk past each other. I mean, no, we hear it all the time, especially on the midstream side. You know, with We've worked largely midstream last year. It was a pretty heavy midstream year for us. But, you know, when you've got engineers... I think kind of telling y'all, pay attention. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> midstream got, is amping up. <laughs> when you've got engineers who are putting uh, designs together and they put valves in places that people cannot reach them, you know? <laughs> right. And it's just, it's the same thing. It's like, you know, you get a... Well, this should work. You get a client and they're like, yeah, we need... You know, we need operators. And you're like, great. And he, you go and you talk to the people at the site, at the plant, you know, what is actually going on? What is, What are your needs? Mm-hmm. Because so often there's that giant disconnect between oh, yeah. what the... Theoretical ass- and practical? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the honey-do list versus like, hey, this is how we keep the fucking wheels on the bus list, you know, like, <laughs> are two very different things. That's and an so, excellent way yeah. to put that. So, I think that's how we've like had our like little niche and yeah. we've always done well is, you know, a you lot of times... listen to what is being said. Yeah, we listen, <laughs> we listen, we learn. Um, I think also like we... <laughs> we don't just take a job description there is we we have a rule we yeah. will not do a job search on a job description nope. you cannot send us a job description and have us work for you as a client unique. we want to meet your team we want to understand the problem because there's a reason there's a job open so it's not because the problem with somebody being in the job what is the problem you hope this person that you're bringing in is going to solve so tell us is it because you need a (laughs) you need a new ops manager that can understand your field and bring it up you know up to snuff because maybe you bought an asset that 
you know, has had so many different owners over the last several years mm-hmm. that things have just been kind of put together with bailing wire and duct tape. Well, honestly, it's dark data. And you data. can't sell it, it's right? It's dark data. You can't sell it. Right. Yeah. And so if we're putting people out there, we want to make sure that the people understand the environment in which they are taking on. And we can also find a better match then because you need a different type of yeah, person yeah. because they have to be able to Rubik's Cube the shit out of whatever the hell you have. Damn straight. So they need to understand yeah. the fundamentals of what's going on. So that's why we don't do it off of a job description because the job description is so entirely one-dimensional. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and a bad piece of fruit can ruin the entire It totally can. And yeah. likewise, I think as we have grown up in the industry – we watched our mom try to square peg round hole a hell of a lot of things that shouldn't have been done that way. That's called marketing. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Um, And we we watched how she dealt with a lot of those situations with a level of integrity that, you know, was lost on us when we were younger. Um, And in the last couple years, having to make the decisions to fire clients. If, Mm -hmm. you know... If there fucking is point. if there's a bad environment, you we, won't do it. We don't. Yeah. We don't work like that. We're pay it forward. We've always been that way. We mm-hmm. have to sleep at night. Industry supporting industry. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm not gonna put somebody in a bad situation. If we are refilling the same job for the sixth time in a year, something's wrong, and it's something we can't fix. So we're not gonna put people in mm-hmm. bad situations. So how that do, huge learning curve there. Speaking of that, how do clients find y'all? Because you have a unique setup. Um, people... A lot of referral-based oh, work. Yeah. I think, yeah, like referrals, you know, we're very active in our community. Because yes, it's are. important to us. You know, we, we, we'll we sit down and talk to anybody that needs some help on you know, And we advice. will tell you if we cannot help you. Oh, yeah, no, we're, we're, <laughs> we we're have no very blunt in that regard. Yeah. <laughs> or just like, I don't think that that person is available in the market yeah. or I don't think your expectations are in alignment mm-hmm. or with market needs yeah <laughs> you know or that's just man I we're gonna have to think about that but I don't <laughs> think we can do that you know so I think that is a huge benefit yeah. with us well, having our own shop now why is it so hard to find a job when you're looking for a job because a lot of people get blindsided so Mm -hmm. i know that when i was job hunting i had to scrap my way but ultimately it was my you know former uh connection that brought me into his company so Mm -hmm. why is it so hard to find a job when you're looking for a job versus when you're not i think i mean it's (laughs) Okay, so this is a terrible example. Let me count the ways. <laughs> Let me count the ways. I mean, like, you're, you're hungry then. Like, you, you, there's a level of desperation that happens. So it's it's hard to get through the anxiety mm-hmm. to get down to brass tacks of, you know, putting together a cohesive personal message that you can put out there and saying, I'm looking for X. So companies smell the desperation. Oh, my God. You can smell it instantly. I mean, if you... Oh, so, this kind of it's so sad. It's really, it's sad. It takes like, it takes a lot of self-work to get through that. It takes, it, it takes coaching. This is why we do the coaching side right. of it. It takes working with people that are familiar with you. I mean, you mentioned that you got your job through a friend, right? Yeah. Well, through a mentor. Through a mentor, right? So at the end of the day, it's really, you can smell it. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's so poignant. <laughs> it's like, it, and it, it takes a lot. So you have to kind of, you have to I get should also that. add real quick that both Kaylee and I have been, We've been there. Like yeah. we have oh, been yeah. unemployed. We We've have laid off. had the spreadsheet with all of the different places you've applied That's to called blueprinting. To maintain, mm-hmm. you know, like so 
to keep we, your unemployment status? We talk status? about it. <laughs> in, in I don't, want, I don't want us talking about it to to seem like we've never been there. Like we've we've been in the shit too. So yeah, we were yeah. smelly with desperation once as well. Well, I think, more than once. <laughs> <laughs> more than once. I think if you're in our industry and in, in any modern, fast-paced, transitional industry, whether it be energy or something else, it is something that you're going to experience at one stage in your career. Mm-hmm. I think when it really is painful is when you are caught blindsided and it is hard to find a job when you don't have a job so side hustle the shit out of your job right <laughs> i would say network you network know, the craft, always which is side about, hustling yeah exactly and we talk about networking and people get really weirded out i hate the term everybody hates the term but when we say networking we mean bringing that curiosity mm-hmm. to conversations yeah if you are out there and you are having conversations with people not only within your company outside of your organization in your community wherever having those ongoing uncomfortable maybe or just kind of awkward to be like hey do you want to talk shop conversations Mm -hmm. you're planting seeds so that if the day comes where you actually need to call those numbers up you know you're (laughs) in a good spot it is a long range play what doesn't work is Hey, I just got laid off and uh totally fucked. Get, can you like get me a job with your company? No, like don't don't think about it that way. Think about it over the long term. Right. Also pay it forward. Pay it forward. Yes. We have a lot of people who they're not afraid to ask, but when someone asks them, all of a sudden they're nowhere to be found. And I'm yeah. sorry, but like if you cannot if industry cannot support industry, what is the fucking point? And even yeah. outside of industry too, I mean, like or f- like on the the full spectrum. Industry's you know? large now. It has industry like service consulting. I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff manufacturing. There's a lot of things Tech that tie into We've oh, got yeah. everything. And everything. It's cool. And you know, sometimes you do. We did a coaching session this morning with a young lady who is uh, in, interested in equine therapy. Uh, That's where oh my God, passion is. totally up my alley. Yeah. So like coming full circle back to like why it's hard to find a job when you don't have one is mm-hmm. I think a lot of times we forget like what the job environment looks like out there. So if you look at it from the standpoint that it is a long-term game, it's really important because when you are unemployed, you either we're laid off or whatever it might be, and you're in that job search, your environment has gotten a ton smaller, mm-hmm. right? Like you're sitting at home with your computer in your little world, and you are Googling the shit out of anything you can possibly find with the job. It's like no, we're environmental. Yeah, <laughs> right. Well, Googling and applying blindly, right? So the jobs that you're seeing out there, I think is one of the things to remember is how companies go about looking for you, mm-hmm. right? And that is something to keep in mind. So like, don't just consider looking for them. Yeah. Figure out how they're looking how for you. How are they looking totally. for you? Why are they swiping right? Yeah, exactly. So it's kind of dating-ish. And make it, and I think, yeah, like making it about them. One of the the Mm -hmm. biggest challenges with folks who are not currently working Mm -hmm. is, example, two conversations. You're at a networking event. You've got company A talking to somebody at company B, and they're saying, hey, you know, you're saying, oh, you're doing this really cool thing. I think that's fascinating. I'm doing this. I think we could apply these Mm -hmm. skills. There's a level of stoke about what could be going on, like about potential solutions, right? FOMO at its finest. (laughs) Totally. And then when you're applying for jobs, 
that interaction is not there. Mm -mm. You're just saying, oh, well, here's my resume, and you're hoping to get to that point. You're trying to make yourself as interesting as an Excel spreadsheet. Yeah, (laughs) set yourself up for success in having those conversations so that it, it is about the company. And it sounds harsh, but at the end of the day, and again, we work on behalf of clients, so that is also kind of a tricky thing, but ultimately, it is about how you're going to fix a problem with the company you're going to. Nobody gives a crap about like all of your personal stuff and like what you're looking for, unless it's relevant Mm -hmm. and how you're going to help them solve their problem. hundred percent. I love it. Yeah. So ladies, I'm going to ask each of you this question as well. What is a book podcast, Netflix documentary or other resource you would bestow upon someone else that has brought you any sort of value from hilarity down to like practicality? I love everything with murder, any kind of murder, anything. Thank you. Yes. Thank like you. Finally. Crime after something. My own heart. Right. So I will watch anything, literally anything Alien with murder. Abductions. Oh yeah, for oh. sure. Ghosts. Ghosts freak me out. For a real option, I guess. Um, I think one of the biggest things that we do that is tough um, in the job search kind of world, mm-hmm. right, or building your network and stuff, is um, how to actually ask for what you want, whether that be compensation, job, so right, opportunity, everything like that. So there's a great book. Um, it's how do you two ask each other for raises? <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. We'll let you mind. know when we get there to that point. It's more like, hey, so are we're we in startup mode right now? Yeah. It's like, <laughs> exactly. It's like, okay, so is this an expense or is this not an expense? That's usually the debate. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, what's expensable and what's not? Um, anyway, so the book is um, All You Have to Do is Ask, and it's by Wayne Baker, and he's like really great at um, like Harvard Business Review kind of geek kind of guy. Love it. Yep. Totally should read it. I think everybody should like embrace their inner geek. All right, Whitney. Oh, um, I podcast a lot, so to break it down is tough. The running joke is that I start every sentence, every other sentence with <laughs> I heard I just on the heard podcast. on this podcast. Um, <laughs> also, probably explain some hashtag uh, single. So uh, yeah, I listen to a lot of podcasts. I've recently been listening to Boomtown because it felt like something I should check out. So um, listen to that. I listen to a lot of podcasts on politics. Um, <gasps> oh my god, it's so fun. Yeah, it's kind of a problem. Uh, <laughs> it's like Real Housewives, but Real Housewives of DC brought back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, and then sciencey ones like I love Radio Lab. I love. Um, Ologies is also really good. Ologies is great. I heard that one. It's oh, really that's good. so bomb. Oh, yeah. listen to Matrimoniologies. Yeah. That episode alone will make you like rethink like. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. Was it? Yeah. 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 <laughs> I, I listened to a Planet Money and uh, they like to do the jobs. The jobs report sound is pew, pew, pew. Awesome. Wait, the Wall Street Journal one that we listened oh, to. Oh, yeah. Secrets of Wealthy Women from the Wall Street Journal and Primo. the Future of Everything. Damn straight, I'm going to be mm-hmm. listening to Oh, that. it's so good. Ladies, thank you so much for tonight. This was absolutely so much fun. I love Fancy. that we had two <laughs> bottles of wine. It made it so fun, but the value you've provided is so relevant today. You know, we get te- uh, caught up in the technical and we forget to think about our people, but 
but really we would not have energy without our people. So thank you for the value you provided. I cannot wait to hear just, you know, what's coming up and we're going to check in again in the future to get your tips, tricks, and secret sauce. So thank you so much. Yeah. Welcome. Thanks for having us. Damn. The Van Cleves are on point. They are such bosses. We are so lucky to have them in industry. So if you are a company struggling to find talent, or if you're an individual looking for coaching assistance for your next upcoming job interview, check out Iridium Recruiting. You can find Kaylee or Whitney at www.iridiumrecruiting.com. As y'all know, 2020 is going to be a killer year and there is a lot to do. So head on over to the website at www.thecrudeaudacity.com to check out upcoming events, sponsorship opportunities, and what is happening around the oil patch. Hold on, one more thing before you go. If today's episode brought you any sort of value, go online, rate, review, subscribe. Also, if you have any topics or influencers you would like us to feature, you can get in touch with us via Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, or the website at www.thecrudeaudacity.com. Thanks so much for your engagement, and until next week, give them hell. Hey, y'all. As you know, I am proud to be oilfield and proud to be an American. And as a proud American, I am committed to supporting our veterans which is why I want to discuss veteransmatter.org. There are systems and structures in place that aid our veterans in receiving housing assistance. Yet we have so many vets still living on the streets, not because they have not gone through the proper channels or filled out all the mounds of paperwork, but because the VA isn't able to deliver deposit checks to landlords in the proper timeframes. So despite all the efforts, vets are turned away from their housing options. Veteransmatter.org is changing that. They provide the deposits in a timely and efficient manner that helps our vets get into the homes they need. To date, they have placed over 3,000 veterans in 22 states. This is an amazing program and an amazing cause, and if you are interested in getting involved, please visit them at www.veteransmatter.org and see what you can do to help.